When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls. Dude, happy Timberwolves Eve. Oh, happy. Right? Yeah, happy Timberwolves Eve. Happy belated Jane McDaniels contract extension day. Yes. It's a big week. Happy I, I, generational money for the McDaniels lineage. I did say... And I'm sure we can dive into this, and we'll just start right at the top. But uh, I'm I'm very familiar. Again, this organization has been around as long as I've been around. I believe we're both celebrating 35 years, uh, and most of those years have been sad. Um, not in my life, but for the Wolves, I think the Jaden McDaniel's extension was probably the high water mark for this organization since Kevin Garnett was traded. And you could even argue those last couple of years were low on the totem pole, but. I just think in general, and again, I'm well aware that something could pop up or someone could throw a wrench into this, but to just have a sound front office that continues now to make really good, smart moves, a good coaching staff, new ownership, and all of your best players kind of locked up, I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm well aware that, you know, my one thing would be like, okay, everyone got paid now, go actually do stuff, like go do stuff that would be put on basketball reference in terms of your resume and success. But I think you can celebrate yesterday without having to then be one of those curmudgeons in our mentions that are like, oh, go win 50 games, go win a playoff series. It's like, actually, <laughs> let me just be happy in the moment, and then I'll go figure that out later. Yeah, well, also, like, God, there's, I love that you've gone <laughs> saucy just, to start this podcast. Okay. This is great. I was going to start fighting with people on Twitter, yeah. Is there something, like, I know that in the you're out in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm in the Twin Cities, it's pouring rain out here. Our guy Doogie went off on the scoop <laughs> at, like, people that are attacking him on Twitter, you're going at people, anonymous people right now. Uh, I understand anytime a move is made with the Timberwolves that there's going to be a healthy, it may be sometimes unhealthy amount of skepticism about, hey, wait a second. Is this another, are we getting duped again here? Are we Charlie Brown kicking the football and then it's going to get pulled away from us? Um, but a few different thoughts on the Jade McDaniels thing. Number one. I think Tim Connolly is batting a thousand since the Gobert trade. And I'm not even sure that the Gobert trade was a bad trade. I think the jury is still very much out on the Gobert trade. I don't think he's made a bad move since that. If we put that trade over here in this bin, it's a whole separate discussion. Everything else he's done, I think, am I wrong? Like, correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't want to be, you know, too big of a homer here on the eve of the season, but he's been aces for the last year, hasn't he? A hundred percent or a thousand percent, as you would say. Um, 
And to confirm, yeah, I think one of my uh, strategies this year is to every now and then clap back at people who just send me dumb comments. It's like, if you're going to make me read this, I'm going to respond. So, yeah. We know what we should do. We should just pick out a random person on Twitter and savage them every week on this show. Just <laughs> to make would, ourselves feel good. That would be my new good. favorite segment. No, I... Uh, Bob65732, screw you, man. Well, okay, so now you got me all over the place. I, I will say that we should just embrace... This has nothing to do with sports. Like, we should just embrace or promote being happy. Like, yesterday was a happy moment. I, to the Jane McDaniels thing, and then I'll get back to Tim... I was under the impression, as I think a lot of people were, and some have said this, like, three days ago, I think the number was, like, 170. Or, like, I think the number was way higher 72 hours ago than it was finally settled upon, which I think was 5-131 with maybe 5 million bonuses. Um, yeah, 136, including the bonuses, which is, I think, $1 million more than uh, Devin Vassell's okay. deal, right? Wasn't okay. it a 135? Yeah, they, they had some, both had some weird bonuses in there. But I, I, I guess my thing was... You know, we start, I said this last week, you start to talk to people. We, I've made enough friends doing this that I'm never going to want to be a reporter because that involves integrity and I don't have a lot of that. But you, you kind of know stuff. And I was very, very adamant that that wasn't going to get done, that they weren't going to get this deal done. Spin it back to Tim. As you said, he has this trend now, right? Like the Gobert thing, he comes in. There's no reason to really shake it up. You get a couple firsts. You can go get a Walker Kessler, get a Wendell Moore. There was no real reason that he had to make this big blockbuster trade? Was that new ownership influenced? Maybe. Um, but then after that, and he kind of gets settled in, and the Washington job disappears, which he was kind of secretly tied to whatever. Everything he's done is really smart. And not only is it smart, he's doing things on his timeline. He's trading D'Angelo Russell when he thinks the 11th hour, right? Like right at the deadline. He's extending Nas 48 hours before he becomes a free agent. He's extending Jaden four hours before it could leak over into restricted free agency. So I'm with you. I think he's batting a thousand. Whatever you think of the Gobert trade, maybe he's not above the Mendoza line yet with how bad you think that is. But everything he's done since then has built up or agreed to what we said when they made the Gobert trade. It's like everything you do moving forward now, you have to hit. You can't miss. In 12 months, 14 months later, he, like, he hasn't missed. And it's crazy. Can we go back? You did say something that could be construed as a hot take, and I'd like to, I'd like to flesh it out a little bit more. You said that the Jaden McDaniels contract yesterday might be the high watermark for the Timberwolves since the KG trade. What do you mean by that? Just, I'm I'm well aware that tomorrow we could find out that someone was kissing someone at a soccer game. That happens, but for now, just the general standing of this brand and this organization, like. They're doing a lot of things behind the scenes to be more modern. They have good facilities. I think they're going to get this, from what I think and people I talk to, they're going to get this new ownership thing across the finish line. And right after that, you're going to start to hear a lot more about a privately funded stadium. Mm -hmm. You have all your best players in tow. Yes, you are missing some draft picks. But I watched enough draft picks come in and out of this organization that weren't good anyway. But the second round guys they're hitting on, we like Josh Minot. We like Leonard Miller. Lenny. Uh, I just... The high watermark is like, I think this is about as good as this asset or this, you know, investment has been in a long time. And the bottom could fall out, but you have to at least, if you stuck around for 34 years, you should allow yourself on Monday the 23rd to be like, hey, all the best players are signed to long-term deals. You don't have to deal with the James Harden bolt BS. You have to deal with the Jimmy Butler BS. Like, if we lose a guy now, it's going to be because we were trading them and getting a bunch of assets. So... You should be excited entering the season. They could lose to the Raptors by 20. 
and then we'll, we'll talk on Thursday, and it'll be different. But I thought the 23rd of October was a moment for this organization to feel really proud of themselves because I've watched them stumble over themselves many, many times in the past. Yeah, well, there. I think to your point, I think you know, high watermark, if you're talking like on the court, obviously there's, right, there's, right. You're, you're, you're almost looking at the wolves as a stock entity or something, mm-hmm. you know, where, where's their value as they're trying to build this thing, especially, I know that they're not majority owners yet, but let's just call it the Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez era here that kind of started a couple of years ago, even though they've been minority owners for almost two years, they've really been hands-on in the hiring of Tim Connolly and the, the hiring of some key executives and it's culture building, right? And it's a good sign, and we'll find out starting tomorrow night against the Raptors. I wouldn't overreact if they lose. I probably will, but you guys shouldn't overreact if they lose. I'll probably just dump on Carl Anthony Towns and then need therapy <laughs> on Thursday. But but they're building something for the long haul here, and it feels like every time a Nas Reed opts in before the deadline instead of exploring his options, Jade McDaniels, now he's saying yes to a life-changing amount of money, but he could have said no in in search of 145 155 something bigger right in the future it just seems like guys are opting into what they're building here and for a long time it felt like guys couldn't wait to get the hell out of here right jimmy mm-hmm. butler is mm-hmm. literally like pressed up against the window get me get me out please and this feels different this feels like for the first time in a long time probably since kevin garnett not even since he was traded, because it felt toxic for like the last two years of KG. Right. First time since like 2003, 2004, um, that they've kind of got something going internally here that isn't put together with duct tape. And and it also just, again, circles back to more of being a lifelong Minnesota sports fan, which I am. But just, you know, it's okay to celebrate the small victories. Also, just in life, I know we're kind of pivoting away from a sports podcast, but the lifestyle part, like, celebrate the little things. I think... The really dumb analogy I used yesterday was like, if your kid comes back a good report card, you shouldn't be like, hey, buddy, you better get a scholarship. It's like, why don't you just celebrate the good grades in the moment? And then get, be back, like, hey, get back to me after you do it again in eighth yeah, grade. You be- yeah, you better go to Yale. It's like, I don't know. They're, they're proud of B minuses. Like, just that's what the Wolves are doing right now. They, they signed the guys that are good. So I understand that to some, that's a B minus on the report card. And to get A's, you need to win games. But you also do, and we know this because we're Timberwolves fans and we follow the Wolves, you also need to have organizational stability and you know a, somewhat of a really good culture and pay the guys that deserve it like a Nas Reed, and they've done all that. So yeah, yesterday was a celebratory day. Today is a day to regroup and get your laundry done. And then tomorrow it's like, okay, everyone now has what they want. Nikhil has a contract. Chris Finch has a contract. Carl Anthony Towns and has his own team. Like Now go win basketball games, and let's let's try to get to Yale, but... One step at a time. And yesterday was a good day, and we'll see what Wednesday brings. Hey, I, I can't stop thinking about We had a conversation, I don't remember if it was like halfway through last season, and it popped back into my head right before we clicked record here after the Jade McDaniels contract. How similar his first three years in the NBA have mm-hmm. been to a future first ballot Hall of Famer and multi-time NBA champion, Kawhi Leonard. And I know that I'm just driving the Homer bus here, so just bear with me for a second. Because I, I am projecting the 98th percentile version of Jaden McDaniels when maybe the reality is he settles into like the 75th percentile version of himself, which is still going to be a really good player. But, dude, if you look at the first three years, I guess let me back it up for a second. My biggest worry with this contract, and it is, I agree with you. I think it's a $27 million 
uh, average annual value, starting off at 22 next year and then working all the way up Great to point. like what 30. Yep. It's manageable as you as you. And we'll talk about the luxury tax stuff. Even at a reasonable rate for him, when some of the other numbers were more like 30 or 30 plus, right, or even like max contract, I do worry a little that you're you're paying for something that you hope comes true. You're paying for his offense to be more unlocked or he's got a bigger role on a team after someone gets traded um, that, that he can stay healthy and mature and all those things. Right. So I, I'm a little bit like, okay, yep. I'm, I'm in, I, I need to see a little bit more than like 12 points a game. He needs to be more offensively than just kind of a guy that stands in the corner waiting for someone to pass it to him. I'd like to see him more involved at some point. That being said, age 20 through 22 compared to Kawhi Leonard, almost identical it's insane crazy it really is crazy it's like we did this exercise halfway through last season it's even more accurate now both guys were 12 points a game both guys shot just over fifth both guys shot 52 percent from the field both guys shot 38 percent from three-point range both guys were kind of designated as hey we need to go to go trail like the opponent's best wing player or ball handler right and just go make their life hell hey these these guys are going to handle the scoring and the bulk of the offense and stuff, your job is this tonight, and then go pick up offense as you can. Rebounding numbers, steals, blocks, and even just like the quiet nature of their personalities, this sort of like expressionless, you know, basketball killer sort of persona. Now, Kawhi had like level three, four, five that he eventually got to, you know, finals MVP, but that's the one thing if he fulfills what he's capable of, Jaden McDaniels, once as one of the best high school players in the country, one of the most highly touted players going into college, right? Um, it's it's very interesting what his upside is. How much more do you think he has to give here over the next, let's say the duration of the contract, the next half decade or so? I think it's important too, right? Like that's almost every contract. Like you made a really good point, but anytime you sign a contract, you're hopefully other than, and rest in peace, but other than those couple Kobe years where they the Lakers just kind of paid him, for past performance type of thing. Like, we're, like, we're doing a TV show here, uh, 82 nights of Here's 90 a year, and we need Kobe to be starring in it. Yeah. For it to be, <laughs> go 30 and 52. But uh, anytime you sign a guy, you're, you're typically paying him for projected future production. So yeah, they're doing that with Jaden. Uh, the Kawhi stuff, I, I'm glad you said that. It's like the 98th percentile. But I also think, and this is more long-term kind of macro stuff, I'm really excited to watch this team play basketball on Wednesday because I really like their roster one through 15. I really like the rotation one through nine. We are probably, le- it's October. We're probably less than 12 months away from a seismic shift in what this roster looks like. If to, as we kind of bring it up now, like the salary cap, the second apron, all that stuff, luxury tax, like maybe all you need from Jaden in this first year. when I don't even think that I'm not even, I don't think the contract extension kicks in right now is just go be all defense. You really don't, Mm-hmm. 10 and 4 is fine because Carl's back for 52 extra games. Mike Conley's going to be a threat. Our bench is way more explosive. But maybe next year, in what would be, I think, year five for him, it's like, yeah, now you need, like, we lost Mike Conley because we paid everyone and we have um, that minimum point guard. Like, we need you to average four assists a game and make a little more. I mean, the, the Wolves tweeted out a congratulations, we signed Jaden thing. And a lot of the highlights were him, like, making plays for others. Or attacking, you know, none of the none of the highlights were defense. <laughs> so those are the th- types of steps that he needs to make. I don't think this roster gives him a lot of extra to go back. You know, as score north, there's a lot of uh, pies that we talk about. I don't think uh, he has much l- more pie to eat this season. 
But expectations moving forward as that contract does balloon and get a little more expensive, you want him to get into the, you know, 18 points maybe and six rebounds and three yeah. assists. Like, that's a good good wing player. He'll probably never hit Kawhi, but those first three years, man, when you said that last time, was it's crazy to look at their comps early on. And, and like, I know that some of this is, you know, I when I was living out in Seattle, Jade McDaniels came to uh, – Seattle Pacific yep. University for the LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, LeBron James was there for a run. The it was Jamal the Jamal Crawford, Crawford yep. offseason. He would just do scrimmage games and stuff. And they didn't have air conditioning in there. So if they packed too many people in and it was kind of humid, the, they had to like stop games. That's how Chet Holmgren got hurt with his foot. Mm-hmm. But so Jade McDaniels would go play in some of these games and he would like the offensive bag that he would unveil. And there are some other NBA players on the court. Otherwise, it was mostly like, you know, guys you're not going to see on a nightly basis. But there's more of a bag of offense than he has shown in the first three years. And on the Kawhi Leonard front, again, this this would be like if Jaden McDaniels reached his 95th or 98th percentile as a basketball player. Kawhi Leonard's at his peak, I would say first year with the Clippers coming off of the championship run with the Raptors was like Kawhi's peak back four or five years ago. And Kawhi was a finals MVP who averaged 27 points in the regular season, seven rebounds, Five assists, couple of steals, block. He was still lockdown defender. Uh, this is like age 28. He was shooting 38% from three. He was shooting almost 50% from the field. What is a realistic, if, if like, what do you think Jaden McDaniels in five years at the end of that contract, what do you think his average box score is? Let's let's say let's so say they make a couple like like cat. Let's say cat is no longer with the team in five years. It's like Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniel's, maybe Nas Reed, maybe a player we haven't talked about who's still in high school right now or something, and and he is a focal point on this team. He's a higher usage player. What like, what would you be happy with in like four or five years? An average box score for Jade McDaniel's when he's age twenty seven, regardless of the roster that's put around him, I. I feel very confident. I'm biased, but I'm also just, I watch probably more of that kid in college being out here and going to games in Corvallis and, and up in Washington and stuff. He can average, he can give you 28 and four. And I think 28 and four, I mean, again, too, that's almost, if you want to be cynical, a lot of guys can average 20 points in this league. That is wow. the juiced ball era of movement and spacing and up and down tempo. But I think at 20 points, eight rebounds a game, four assists and a couple steals or blocks like that again that's not for this year just for people right, right? this is like projecting out closer to the peak of his prime and in that a different and, climate here and i also think too this is not a box score answer but that would give you the kind of the bill simmons second best player on a championship team that's really what it is right it's like can jane mcdaniels at some point he's 23 can he be the second best player on a championship team the answer, in my opinion, is yes. And again, I know that I'm wearing underneath this shirt, like a president or the, <laughs> the fan club shirt, but I just think he can do it. And I also think, too, and this is kind of important, I think he really wants to. Like he mentioned it at Media Day, he's mentioned it kind of behind the scenes to some other people. Like, I think he would love to have more of an increased role. I think he knows, like you see his workout videos, he's working on getting to the mid range. He wants to be more of an offensive threat, not just a three and D guy. But what I really like and why I was just happy for the kid is outside of punching the wall, which I think he took to heart a lot more than maybe kind of came out. Like he was like, that was really stupid. And I maybe cost my team like a playoff win. I don't think they beat the Nuggets. 
uh, our fake one seed, but I think they maybe get to six games or something. Um, he's not like a malcontent. He's not the guy that's like, hey, I want $180 million and I want to be the guy that's on the hotel in Vegas, like the face of the hotel. He's very comfortable in his role, but like any good employee, he's like, I'm willing to take on more. Like, I'm ready when you want me to. So that's why I'm happy for him, too, is that when they're ready to open up that can, uh, I think the can will serve them well. But for now, it's just play defense. Just play defense, play defense. Maybe crash the boards a little bit more. Uh, maybe be a second second unit facilitator a little bit if Kyle's out because I don't know who's going to run the show for that. Um, but I, I think the sky is the limit for him, and that's why you invest in him like you do. Because like you said at the beginning of this whole thing, the national perspective from a lot of people was like, I like Jane McDaniels, but that's a lot of money. It's like, ugh. You probably don't like Jaden McDaniels. Then. Like you probably haven't watched him play basketball if you don't yeah. think that he's worth what eighteen percent of the cap. Well, and God, there's, there's especially in kind of the the league pass era and the social media era uh, of the NBA, the stuff that you see, the snackable moments that you see, video clips and whatever. It's, it's not usually like Rudy Gobert altering a drive into the lane and then that guy going back out. And now the shot clock's winding down, or like Jaden McDaniels playing lockdown defense and then. Right. <laughs> the primary ball handler has to kick it out to somebody else. Like there's not a stat for some of this stuff. You know, there's advanced metrics that, that measure, uh, you know, defensive performance, but some of the things that Rudy Gobert and Jaden McDaniels do on defense, it's not always a block. It's not always a steal. It's not always a rebound, but yet the totality led by those two guys, I think the totality of their activity on defense led the wolves to be there wasn't that the highest defensive ranking that they've yep. had in like I think 10th 10 10 or 20 years yeah yep. and and I also think too there was a lot of moments last year when Carl went down Carl was the number one guy last year in that first 15 or so games that was trying to make the Rudy thing work and trying to get him the ball and then when he went out I just kind of noticed like on certain plays on given nights Jaden was maybe had the best feel for kind of that half step slower to get Rudy a lob like he was finding successful ways to get Rudy involved. And that was, of course, before they brought in Mike uh, and when Kyle kind of started to figure out too. So I just think, again, I'm, I'm very bullish on him, but uh, he was the 28th pick in the draft. He fell. He had a really bad year at Washington, but that was a bad program, not a indictment on him. Um, but you can go look this up. Like week in, on today, October 24th, 2023, you can look at like mock NBA drafts for 2027. There's some real weirdos and nerds out there, and I love that stuff. That you can be like, four years from now, this is who we think will go number one. Those are kids in like junior high right now. Yeah, but you can go back and look at it too. And there was a moment in time where Jane McDaniel's was mocked number one overall in the 2020 draft, like back in 2017. So he was a really, really good, like you said, four or five star kid coming out of high school, and I think the top forward in his class for a while. Yeah. Um, fell for some weird reasons, and those weird reasons have only really stemmed from his foul trouble, which he does need to get under control. That would be a stipulation I would have put in the contract. Yeah. It's like, he's remember, been a little immature at, at yep. every level. Like it's fair to yep. say that, but, but less immature than I think we thought, because everyone's like, Oh, this kid gets a ton of technicals. And it's like, I don't think he had one in his first couple of years. If yeah. he's mad, he's going to take it out on walls, not on the opponent or the I'd official. I'd rather him so, get a technical next time. Yeah. Let's yeah, try yeah. that instead. So, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I will say, because I don't want to forget this random thought bubble, but yesterday, Shams, I think, had it first. Timberwolves forward Jaden McDaniels has agreed to a five-year, $136 million contract extension, his agents, blah, blah, blah. And then right after that was a quote tweet by Shams, a little more information. And I just want you, the listener, or Phil, to think, hmm, I wonder where this came from. In agreeing to this significant rookie extension, Minnesota is committing to be a luxury tax team along with Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, and Conley Towns. Wolves haven't been a tax team in almost 20 years and are staring at serious luxury tax payments moving forward. Where do you think that came from? Is that kind of a, a puffing of the chest of the new regime? Saying That's what I how, would think. How committed that they, hey, listen, we now we, we should get into some of the tax stuff because okay. I don't know I don't know that they're going to be as committed as they're projected to be right now. Like they're projected to be second apron of luxury tax. My guess is they commit to the first apron, especially if they think that they're entering like a deep playoff run era of Wolves basketball here, right? Led by Anthony Edwards. But yeah, it feels like, yeah, hey, we're here and we're committed and we're ready to pay extra money for a team we think can contend. I, I just think that that first tweet that was a real big shams bomb was from an agent. That's how this stuff works. I'm just kind of trying to give you what I know behind the scenes of like agents telling teams or these, I guess, influencers like a shams or a Woj. Um, but then that second part, that comes from someone who wants that to get out there that like, hey, we know we're expensive and mm-hmm. we're willing to pay the luxury tax when that comes. And I just think it's significant because it kind of reminds me of when like Alex Rodriguez went on local radio and just was like, yeah, we're going to build a stadium. We're going to pay for it ourselves. Um, they're either clueless and be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. Or they actually feel far more confident in their financial situation than maybe some are letting on. And again, everything I think everyone has a faction and has you know a stake in this. And maybe there's Glenn Taylor people and Mark Laurie people, but... It's just something interesting because that's something on my radar. It's like, okay, you you did pay everyone. I'm really happy. Monday we're celebrating. But when it gets to be time to cut the real checks, are you going to do it? Or are you going to be like a lot of other owners are and be really cheap? So I don't know. Mark Laurie just bought Blue Apron the other day. Um, I don't think he's hurting for money. So And, and we we'll were kind of talking off mic too. Even if, you know, our guy Doogie's been doing some, I mean, mm-hmm. Doogie just did a podcast with Glenn Taylor yep. on The Scoop. You can find that. Good and, listen, uh, for sure. And, and Glenn went on the record and said, hey, we're probably going to have to delay the the date for the third and final installment, you know, whatever that winds up meaning. But let's say in a hypothetical world, maybe because uh, you just bought Blue Apron and, and maybe that, like a big chunk of your of your cash is now is now gone. Right. Because you've got all these companies and plate spinning. Dude, the value of this franchise, this is the ultimate buy low opportunity for anyone looking to get into a group, right? These dudes locked in. It's like 1.5, like was it 1.5, 1.6 billion dollars two years ago for a franchise that might be worth the day after this thing finalizes two billion dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. there, it wouldn't be that hard to find a third or fourth person as part of your group that's looking to get in on one of the 30 only NBA teams in the world at a discounted price, right? Like, I don't, I'm not worried that this is going to fall through, I guess. And that's, yeah, I'm, thank you for kind of giving me this platform. I'm not either. I think the reporting Doogie has is really good. I just, I'm kind of learning more that there might be sides to this that, you know, that's how anything is, right? Like, some people want this out, some people want this out, but mm-hmm. I am way less concerned about this landing, um, and it's not optimism. It's just I think they're going to land it. I also think, too, that 
just kind of putting bullet points out there for you to consume. Glenn Taylor's 82. Uh, and I think he sold something for a price. And then he's like, we'll do a 24-month layaway program. And he's seen other teams go for way more. And maybe he's got someone in his ear that's like, you know, mm-hmm. you could probably get $2.5 million, billion for this now. So 82? Man, yeah, I, I had to... Doesn't look a day over 85 to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but this is all, I mean, I, if you're listening to this, like, man, they're all over the place. It's all connected. It Everything now is really good. And the roster is really good. And the coaching staff is really good. And if it doesn't work on the court... Uh, I believe in the front office to come in and make a pivot, but like any good organization, it really spirals all the way up to the top. And I thought it was interesting. Even when Glenn told Doogie, like I haven't really talked to Mark and Alex in a month, that could be a red flag. But if the ownership stays out of the way, which to Glenn's credit, for the most part, he would stay out of the way and let the basketball people do basketball stuff. It's just the problem was the basketball people were idiots like David Kahn that I think this thing is going to work. So we'll see what happens, whether it be December, March, um, but as soon as they get the keys, then you and I will just go live and just start planning the Kevin Garnett jersey retirement. Yeah, he's going to be. That's going to be, I think, one of the first in, in terms of like off mm-hmm. the court things not involving the current roster. That's going to be one of the first priorities. And and there's been some groundwork laid there. But let's let's do the cap luxury tax slash roster next summer thing real quick here. OK, I don't want to. This is probably more in in our guy Dane Moore's wheelhouse. So if you want like the full actual breakdown of how all of this works, Dane is the absolute best resource for this. Dane Moore NBA podcast, YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Kyle's part of that. Uh, In terms of cliff notes. So like you said earlier, the Wolves haven't been a luxury tax team in 20 years. And this is going to be something to deal with next summer, largely here. Mm -hmm. Once all these contracts, like the Jade McDaniels contract kicks in at 22 million. You got Cat going up a notch. Gobert, these are super max players. The Anthony Edwards extension starts to kick in. And so let's talk about the first apron real quick here. Here are the penalties for the first luxury tax apron. Teams cannot acquire a player in a sign-in trade if that player keeps them above the apron. Teams cannot sign a player waived during the regular season whose salary was over $12 million, uh, the $12 million mid-level exception. And that happens two or three times a year where there's just like a key veteran that, you know, uh, salary matching in trades must be within 110% rather than 125%. So it makes it a little bit harder to, to pull off trades. Okay. Those are things you could probably live with, but the wolves are projected right now. If they keep the current roster together and it's a very good roster on paper, they would be in the second luxury tax apron. All of the first level penalties apply. Plus you'd get no access to the taxpayer mid-level exception. So we're getting in the weeds here, but the mid-level exception, there's a taxpayer exception of $5 million, and then there's the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is higher. It's like $12 million. And that means if you're over the cap, but you're not in the luxury tax, or in this case, if you are, you can still sign a player in free agency for a certain amount of money that's far less than the max, right? So they want to give teams a chance. It's a soft cap. Teams that are over the cap or at the cap, to still be able to add players in the offseason so that the league can remain competitive, right? Once you get to the second luxury tax apron, that goes away for you. Teams can't use a trade exception generated by aggregating the salaries of multiple players. Teams cannot include cash in a trade. Teams can't use a trade exception generated in a prior year. First round picks seven years out are frozen, which if you're a team that just traded a bajillion first round picks and might do it again, that could apply to you. 
And then finally, a team's first round pick is moved to the end of the first round if they remain in the second apron for three out of five seasons. So that's like a fantasy football rule. Like that, that seemed like the one thing that like my buddies and I'd be like, okay, like if you, if you lose six weeks in a row and forget to start a kicker, like you have to like Back of the line play the first hole year. at the golf course yeah. with their pants down. Um, so but do those, you think, dude, Kevin O'Connor, who uh, I, I think he's one of the best, he's, so you're not a big fan? Juice Grimace? Oh my. Internet keep going. Here. Keep going. His first, his first tweet after this news came out was, so who's trading for cat? And I like it. I get along with Kevin, and I like Kevin. If you have internet, I like Kevin. Kevin. I just, I just, I don't like. That's just again like the celebrate. It just seems like a weird way in the moment to be like they did something well. Now let's figure out more drama. Yeah, I I I might just be getting old, but but he's he's also got a point. So, but do you think? Well, here's my question to you then. All right, do you think the Wolves are more likely to to eat the penalties in the and the extra money you'd have to pay in the second luxury tax apron? Or to trade Carl Anthony Towns and or Rudy Gobert. Because that's kind of the domino effect here. Jade McDaniels, awesome. He fits the age range of Anthony Edwards. Those guys should be paired together. But the other shoe that drops here is you either pay a bajillion dollars in tax for your roster or your face next summer with trading Rudy Gobert for 25 cents on the dollar or finally pulling the trigger on a Carl Anthony Towns trade. How do you think this gets sorted out? I would just like to say I'm very blessed to be in a position to be a fan of this team, but also get to like talk to people and entertain the masses. I hope people like listen to me. Um, I would just say this. If you think that by signing Jaden McDaniels, their mind is made up on which center they're going to, or which big man they're going to trade next summer. You are very wrong. I agree. I I think they have a full 82 games coming up. Plus hopefully more that it might also be a tryout period. I also think the front office does not care how much they spent to get Rudy Gobert. So yeah, if that's you, a sunk cost. Like that is what it is. If and you if if one big man outperforms the other this year, and you're like, we're gonna have that be the big man of the future, I don't think they would be against unloading Rudy Gobert ten months from now or whatever, and getting fifty five cents on the dollar of what they paid. I think right now, again, like now you figure it out. Now you have eighty two games to see what works and what doesn't work. And hell, as crazy as it sounds, like. Maybe it's like, you know what? We just don't need Jane McDaniels and we'll spin him off in a year from now. So, which I don't think they'll do, but I, I, I think it's very much now a Record. trial and experiment. The real experiment is actually happening now. It's not last summer, even though we thought it was when Carl was lost a bunch of weight and he gets hurt and Rudy has one knee and all these weird things. This is now we're going to see day in and day out what works and what doesn't work around going back to Glenn Taylor and what he told Doogie around Anthony Edwards. Cause I thought that was pretty big too. When Glenn Taylor's like, Right. He was he was telling it to someone. I there was another reporter uh that he like is a confidant in. He was like, Yeah, this is Anthony Edwards' team. And that's big. So we know that domino now. And it's like, okay, what what big fits around Ant these next eighty two games? Is it Carl? Is it Rudy? But to your larger point, Phil, they're gonna have to make a move at some point because you know, like, do you re-sign Mike Conley? Do you re-sign Kyle Anderson? That's why I was like, is Kyle gonna be here after the trade deadline? You're gonna run out of money to pay some of these guys but i just want to push back on the idea not you but in general that you can push back at me that that that, take it. that they they've made up their minds i do know like i said carl maybe was shopped a little bit this summer but mm-hmm. i think if carl has a really good season and him and ant become this weird offensive dynamic one-two punch that's impossible to guard that pick and roll they're not just going to move carl and then that goes back to the ownership thing that's the one dynamic we don't know we don't know yet what mark and alex will do 
because they don't own the team. But when they own the team and if they're like, hey, man, you guys just made a free billion dollars in 24 months. Um, you can afford to pay for this to be good because everything else they do behind the scenes is trying to make this a first-class organization, as they all say. Well, part of that is being competitive and paying when the product is really good. Fans have been paying for this shit for a long time, uh, and it hasn't been good. So if it's good now, the rich people should pay to keep it good. You know, there's another... First of all, I agree. I, I don't think... I don't think you need to know exactly what the next domino is. I, I do think that they would like to avoid the second luxury tax, if not for money reasons, for I just like like the- handcuffing your ability to make moves. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that that's in the back of their minds. But I'm with you. This Now you get a long runway here throughout the season. There is a there is a checkpoint at the trade deadline. If, mm-hmm. if, it, if it was super obvious that something needed to happen, you know, in February, you could you could make that happen. But there's another wild card here because, you know, we think in terms of like Wolves, big men, you got Gobert and Towns. Those are the Supermax guys. And the immediate issue, or I guess it's a champagne <laughs> problem, is how do you find like 20 to 25 minutes for Nas Reed yep. and who, what lineup combinations work for him? But there's a guy sitting further down the depth chart that might make some of these decisions more clear, too. And his name is Leonard Miller. And okay. I saw him play against, I think it was like a level two Israeli team in a preseason game last week. The Wolves were not playing any starters. How'd there you was get like tickets to that? 16 people in the arena. <laughs> yeah. We started off near the top of the lower bowl and worked our way down sitting on the bench, basically. Phil played 12 minutes in the fourth by the time that puppy was done. And Leonard Miller dominated that game, and he looked really good throughout the offseason at times. You know, they just have some really interesting bodies on this roster and i want i just you know for as much hand wringing as there was when they made that go bear trade right oh no there's no other moves they don't have any other assets what are they going to do it's like now they've got they could trade cat they could tra- they, they could still trade go bear with with by the way with two years left on that contract mm-hmm. like let's say trade deadline or next summer that's a much more pe- that, that almost becomes an expiring contract for a team mm-hmm. right and there's like mm-hmm. only two years left so there's so many things, like you said, maybe they decide at some point, you know, Jay McDaniels, that was great. Now, I don't know. Do they have to wait a year to trade him? They're not going to. But I think they thing- have to maybe wait a little bit. I don't think he's tradable tomorrow. Yeah. Um, there's things they can do now, though, compared yep. to like what people thought when they traded for Rudy Gobert is my is my grand point. They have and a lot th- of assets in, in the house. I'd like to challenge us that every podcast we do for the next like six months, we just find a way to mix in Leonard Miller, even Maddie. if he doesn't do anything. Um, because... And this kind of goes back to supporting my high watermark take or comment is that, like, think about the Philadelphia 76ers, right? Like, they have an MVP in Joel Embiid. They have this Harden situation that if they lose Harden, they don't really have anything to replace him with. Like, Tyrese Maxey's a stud, but, like, they're kind of, like, going to get worse and maybe not get many assets. Yeah. Where the Wolves, it's, like, whatever decision they make at basically any of their core four, Rudy, Carl, Ant, Jaden, like, whoever they decide to spin off, if that's what they do, because again, you're making a really good point that people should listen. Like it's not about the payments. I think Mark and Alex will probably pay a luxury tax once in a while. It's about the actual new stuff that like prohibits you from building or signing, you know, uh, ring chasing type guys that you might want. Um, you really are handcuffed, but yeah, which, which guy are they going to unload? And then they have all these other guys behind them. I mean, like you watch that game, Luca Garza might be good. Like, that's something I wrote down in my notebook, which is a really good analysis. Like, Luca Garza might just be a good basketball player. Yeah. Leonard Miller, Josh Minot, they have all these other guys that 
health 16 months from now this might be the youngest team in the league that just runs up and down the court and starts Leonard Miller and Nas Reed and and an MVP candidate and they're shutting people down defensively so it could all look so much different a year from now that's kind of how the NBA works too right like Chris Paul's a warrior kind of forgot about that for a while so I think this is why I'm I'm bullish on them is because whatever decision they make they have stuff behind it and a lot of that stuff behind it's like young and cost controlled so yeah well yeah there's uh there's just a lot a lot to be excited about for the season a lot to be determined here over the next several yeah. months yeah um, I still think the Wolves are going to be one of the favorites to win the first ever in-season NBA tournament because they're going to care more in the next couple months. And we just, yeah, now that we're starting off here, this is going to be the second full season of Flagrant Howls. We appreciate all the support. We launched yes. this thing about a year and change ago, a year and three months ago, and you've made it, um, I would say, one of the two most popular Timberwolves podcasts along with the Daymore NBA podcast. So. Thank you, guys. Um, before we go here, do you have Kyle's question of the week that you want to throw out? Or do you want to save I, that for next time? No, for I, Thursday? Because we're I, back on Thursday, dude. I got. I do have a quick one for you. I also want to say um, a little housekeeping from last week because uh, I made my bet officially. But last week we did about 30 minutes on the Wolves win prediction, and it was one of the best pods I think I've ever done. We also kept saying that they had 48 and a half was their win total. That was the ESPN total. Yeah, I think yeah. it's 44 and a half. So if, you just, if you're Over. scoring at home... If it's 44 and a half, Phil and I are very much on the over. I tweeted this out before we went live. I put my bet today on Chris Finch to win coach of the year at 22 to 1. I think it's the best value of if you think the team is good, that's the bet. You know, if they finish third in the West, Chris Finch is going to win it. That's just kind of how I see it. So um, mm-hmm. quick, quick question. I just, uh, not to just hop into bed with you and the misses, but I'm just kind of curious because I had a big debate over the weekend. Are you, uh, how many pillows do you sleep on? Okay, I'm going to give you a really nerdy answer here let me into the bedroom so i in my life have had acid reflux problems oh okay. so i either need an elevated if you elevate your bed it helps so that like acid reflux doesn't you know, okay yeah bubble up in your throat and sinuses so i either need the bed to be elevated or i have a pillow that's kind of like one of those like uh what do you call it you know what i'm saying like a, oh. almost like a ramp yep yeah like a, looks so like, I, a ramp is a beautiful way to it's put like it. It's like a pillow ramp, bike sort of. Yeah. Yep. So, so I have two pillows. One of them is like a pillow ramp, and then I have a, like a contour pillow so I can be sort of propped up when I sleep. It's very romantic. Very romantic. That, that's what about a, you? That's a great answer. I'm a two-pillow guy. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're one, no judgment. If you're, you're a serial to killer, and, probably, if you have one pillow. But I'm well, not judging. I'm just saying factually it's likely that you're listen the, the unabomber is one of my best friends and that is uh someone who sleeps with no pillows and that's how this all came to be Where they're like <laughs> oh i just rest my head on the mattress and i was like excuse uh, me and i like literally like body I need, in your freezer yeah, i need you to show sure. me how you're doing that and then i was like this does not look ergonomically uh sustainable but um yeah if you're out there in the comments i'd love to know one or two pillows and if it's zero maybe don't post that publicly but uh I've always wondered how how you're sleeping at night, how you get your rest for all the content you produce. So sometimes, like hotels, will give you flimsy pillows, and then I go to a three pillow situation where you kind of use three to prop up and create some elevation. But you're kind of like, like, like the princess in the pea. Yeah, so. Like how many how many pillows can we stack before you won't feel the pea under the pillow? Or the no, green my, pea, like a vegetable. No, I, I feel yeah. <laughs> Not your own urine. Is that what yeah you're yeah? Doing? Sorry, yeah. clarification. My dad used to sleep with a pillow like between his knees too, so that oh, his, that's like, smart. Knees wouldn't knock together. I don't know how, but I'm a toss. I love to, I'm a side sleeper. So like if I'm rolling over in the sheets, I don't it's know tough. how I'm supposed to keep that pillow between my legs. That's a real yoga it's move. A tough one. Yeah. So, okay, so, two pillows. Um, 
We got to get some fight. in the YouTube comment section. How many yeah. pillows do you like to sleep? And if you're a if you're a ramp pillow maker or a triangle pillow maker and you want to sponsor the podcast, um, let us know. We'll have some flagrant house pillows. Yeah. This is uh, hopefully your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle <laughs> podcast and sleep advice podcast. Phil Mackey, Kyle Tige. We'll see you guys on Thursday.